Hey everybody, this is Walker Lukens and you are listening to Confessional. If you've been listening to the song Confessional for a while, then you know what we do here. We record people telling us stories anonymously. We give these anonymous stories to songwriters and bands who write and record original songs based on those confessions. Uh, Today we do not have a new episode for you because we are busily working on season two and on a bunch of other cool projects that we can't wait to share with you in 2021. Fear not, though. We do have a treat for you. It is an episode of another KUT, KUTX podcast called Pause Play. It's all about musicians, the global pandemic, the city of Austin, and what comes next. Uh, when I listened to the very first episode of Pause Play, I was really knocked on my ass because it described in great detail exactly what my experience of the first few weeks of the pandemic was like. Uh, and to just hear it in the uh, podcast news format so succinctly rendered, um, just it's like put a mirror in front of me and let me see what the last few months have been like from, I don't know, from some outside perspective. It's really phenomenal work what the two uh, hosts are doing. That's Elizabeth McQueen and Miles Bloxon. Uh, you might have heard Elizabeth's name on our podcast. We thank her nearly every time because she really helped us turn the song confessional idea into the song confessional reality. Anyway, uh, I won't blather on too much longer because you will actually hear me blather on in this episode of Pause Play. It's all about the quote-unquote return to live music and what that has been like for various musicians and for people who go to concerts. Uh, my, Me and my band played one show in October and uh, you'll hear all about that experience and the experience of other performing musicians. So without further ado, here is Pause Play. I don't think I've missed live music until tonight when I was reminded about actually how nice it is. But at the same time, like I still think I'm so risk-averse that I'm like, that's about as far as I would go. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth McQueen. And I'm Miles Bloxon. And you're listening to Pause Play, a podcast about live music, a global pandemic, and what comes next. Oh my gosh, Miles. I am so exhausted from that election. Still, like I am still exhausted from that election. I can't even tell you. Me too. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I think the, the entire country is going through the same exact thing. We're all recovering. We're just in recovery mode. But let's get into some news. Travis County is still not opening bars. It's true. It's true. I mean, in Texas, bars can open at 50% capacity, but counties have to opt in. And Travis County has decided not to opt in. And I don't think they're going to opt in anytime soon because COVID cases in Texas are surging in fact, Miles, did you know that we are the first state to reach one million COVID cases? I did not know that, Elizabeth. It's true. Wow. It's true. The numbers are going up in Texas. I mean, they're going up all over the country. And yet here we are on the podcast talking about the return of live music to Austin. Yeah. I mean, because we have to admit it's here. There is live music happening, in, at least for now, of course. And so today we're going to look at three experiences of live music 
We'll talk to musicians, promoters, and fans. And Elizabeth, you actually are like, you're one of our fans today. You have the first story. I am. I am the fan. Because Miles, I went to a show for the first time during the pandemic. And I recorded the whole thing. Okay, so you got your mask. Got my mask. Got my hearing aids. Got my camera. I'm going to get my heavy coat since it's mostly outside. And my, I think I'm going to need a hat. So this is me and my husband, Dave. And we're getting ready to go to see a show for the first time since the pandemic began. All right. How are you feeling about going to see live music? Not particularly excited, but I'm doing it for the team. (laughs) To be clear, neither of us were particularly excited to go see live music. And that's not because we don't love live music. We do. Dave is a drummer. Like, that's his profession. And I sang and played in bands for a long time. Music is part of our identities, particularly live music, but neither of us have been itching to see a show during the pandemic. We both have very, very low risk tolerances when it comes to COVID. We're like the kind of people who wear masks when we walk our dog, and we have our kids wear masks when they play with other kids outside. As a rule, we don't go into other people's houses. We don't eat at restaurants. We're super cautious when it comes to COVID. So neither of us have been like, you know, oh, I can't wait to go out and be around a group of people. And this night was no exception. And there's also another reason that Dave and I weren't psyched to go out on a Friday night. We talked about it when we were in the car, headed out to see the show. With school, it's been very hard to just do nothing and relax. So the weekends are the time when you do nothing and relax, but we're faced with all this stuff we have to do, so... I thought maybe it'd be nice to do nothing and relax, but this is all right. Yeah, I was right there with Dave. I mean, we have two kids who are both doing online school. I'm working full-time from home. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, which, as you may have noticed, is exhausting. And when the weekend comes, my whole family is, like, all pretty wrecked, and we're ready to collapse, maybe watch some TV We're not used to rallying to go out, but on Friday, October 30th, we did just that. Dave and I decided to see a show that was part of a series called Love and Lightstream. And KTX, the radio station where I work, was sponsoring this series. We were headed out to see a lineup that included new cumbia DJ El Dusty, the psychedelic cumbia band Money Chicha, and the Grammy-winning band Grupa Fantasma. They were also Prince's backing band for a while. And Love and Lightstream is an interesting idea. It's a show that is a live stream, but also a drive-up concert series. They let in a maximum of 200 cars per show. Tickets range from around $100 per car to $1,000. Depending on the show, cars can have four or six people per car. And the proceeds benefit a couple of Austin nonprofits, the Health Alliance for Austin Musicians and Black Fret, and they also cover the artists and the production. It's at a place called The Hot Spot, hot as in H-A-U-T-E, in Cedar Park, just north of Austin. And when we were in the car, that was all we really knew. 
This is me explaining to Dave what I thought we were getting into. I mean, from what I understand, it's like there's a big stage and there's big like uh, screens, like Do LED they build screens. It for this kind of thing? I don't know. All I know is that there's like a lot of rules. You have to wear a mask, and basically the way it works is like you go in and you get a spot to park your car, and you have like an area maybe like an eight by eight foot area or something or something by something foot area. And then you have a spot where you can get out and you can set up chairs next to your car. And that's like your spot. And it's like so many feet away from the next spot. And when you're in your spot, you can take off your mask. But if you leave your spot, you have to put on your mask. We got to the venue after El Dusty had played because it took a long time for us to get out of the house. What can I say? We were out of practice. And when we got there, it was dark. We saw that my idea of what the show would be was correct. The hot spot is indeed a big field with a big stage set up. The field is set up like a grid with parking spaces laid out. You pull in, your ticket is checked, everyone's wearing a mask. You get a gift bag with some bubbly water and some chips. You find your spot, which has enough room for a vehicle and chairs. We were next to a car, but it didn't feel too close. And the stage is really big. The production value is really high. There are these two big LED screens on either side of the stage. There are ample porta-potties all around. So there we were, finally at a show. Wait. Okay. So Money Chicha has started. You want me to roll down your window? or? Well, I think we should get out and put our put our stuff on. Yeah. And how did it go? Well, Dave and I took a minute to check in between sets. We ordered some food from some food trucks through a contactless ordering online scenario that was also really quick, like the quickest that I've ever gotten food from a food truck in my life. And I say this because when I'm talking... Well, my mouth is full. So what are your thoughts? My thoughts are there's nothing about this that feels unsafe. Oh, my God. Yeah. And in fact, I kind of wish all <laughs> music festivals were like this. Yes. It actually, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's got, it's got none of the bad aspects of music shows. It wasn't crowded. It wasn't too loud. You could sit down. I mean, maybe we're old, but Dave and I really dug it. It's been seven months since I've seen any kind of live music or live performance at all. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like kind of filled me with joy a little bit. Like actually a lot, like a lot more than I thought it would. I honestly had underestimated how good it would feel to watch people play music. Like watching people create this thing in real time it's just different than listening to a recording it's a communion between the players and the audience even if that audience is 75 feet away and sitting in and around their cars thank you very much everybody we're a group of fantasma thank you for having us we'll see you next time As the night wore on, it did get cold. I had to retreat to the car. 
And Dave and I did see some people walking around outside of their areas without masks, which was a little disconcerting. But like I said, we are very intense about that stuff. And when we did our final check-in, we agreed. I did really feel like it was really nice to see a good band play. Yeah. I mean, a couple of really good bands play and play music that made you want to move, you know? Yeah. And it did make me kind of miss... I don't think I've missed live music until tonight when I was reminded about actually how nice it is. But at the same time, like, I still think I'm so risk averse that I'm like, that's about as far as I would go. <laughs> that's about yeah, it. That was, like, actually, I don't, yeah. That was really, that was actually the perfect, it was perfect for that. Yeah. The music was great. There was no threat. It wasn't, wasn't scary or threatening at all. And um, it was well done. It was like, it was great. I'm, you know, I'm sorry it wasn't like super crowded, but I thought it was great. So that may be it for me and Dave for live music for a while, especially with the specter of a COVID surge in Austin on the horizon. But we were glad that we went and thankful for the music. That actually sounded like it was so much fun. I think I want my next concert experience to be just like what you guys experienced. The 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 sitting in the car and just not and always having a seat thing that makes me happy. And then being able to order food while I'm sitting in my car and listening to live music. I don't think that you can beat that. Yeah, it was really fun actually. I actually had way more fun than I thought I would. Did you did it like ease your anxiety when you arrived and you realized, hey, this is a safe environment? It really did. I mean, you know, as you heard in the story, I have pretty like high anxiety when it comes to COVID. And so it was just really nice to do something that I loved in an environment that felt really, really safe. And like you said, where I got to sit down the whole time. <laughs> Well, now that we got your perspective, Elizabeth, let's check in with some artists. Yeah. And Miles, I actually talked to Greg Gonzalez. He is the bass player and a founding member of Money Chicha and Grupo Fantasma. Those are the bands that I saw. He's also a founding member of another Austin band called Brownout. And I wanted to know what the love and light stream experience was like for him. And he told me that Grupo Fantasma they actually played their first gig on November 2nd, 2000, and the Love and Lightstream gig was on October 30th, 2020, like 20 years after they played their first gig. And Grupo Fantasma had had all these plans for celebrating their 20th anniversary in 2020. They were going to do some big shows, maybe put out some new material, but of course, all of that got canceled. And Greg told me that this show came along pretty last minute. He told me, in general, that's what's happening with shows, because rather than book something like three to six months out, things are popping up last minute because everything changes so quickly. Anyway, he told me the band was impressed with the setup of Love and Lightstream. They did a great job of laying out all the safety precautions that were being taken. It was all outdoors. Everyone was wearing masks, sanitation everywhere, uh, all of the the attendees would be separated out into designated parking areas with places where they could hang out uh, and that there would even be we were told safety officers who would be on hand to make sure that you know all of the, the rules are being followed and that really made us feel comfortable with the situation you know in advance whether we'd never played one of these before we didn't know what it would be like but 
one of the big concerns isn't just our health, the health of our audience, you know. And Greg told me that backstage felt pretty much like any other festival. There were all these tents, they had catering, they recognized the people working the show from other gigs they'd played around town. And it was like a, a very emotional situation, to be honest, you know, not only that we were playing and hanging out together really for the first time in like seven months like this, uh, but also that it was our 20th anniversary. You know, we had, a, we made a cake that <laughs> uh, was like our 20th anniversary cake and you know, uh, our drummer, John, had been saving this bottle of Amagnac, which is like a French liqueur that we had been gifted in France five years ago. It was a 15-year-old bottle at the time. So now it was 20 years old, too. So we're like, okay, we're all going to sip on this amazing French liqueur, have some cake, go play a show. You know, so on a personal level, it was very fulfilling and amazing and cathartic in a sense you know though he did say playing the actual gig was a little strange uh you know you're playing for a field and there's like it's dark so you don't know who's out there the distance is really far so it it's like you know normally everybody kind of clusters together and you can get a sense of how many people are there it's hard to tell you can see how many cars are there but how many people are in each car are they in the car outside of the i don't know you know, a lot of people eventually came to the front, which I guess is supposed to be a VIP area. Uh, but, you know, there was, we saw some people up there and they were really into it. And the people who were there were super responsive. You know, it's kind of funny between songs that honk their horn or, or flash their lights in addition to people shooting and hollering and clapping and whatnot. Um, so all of that was fantastic. You know, the sound was great. The feeling of being outside and when I asked him if Grupo Fantasma had any plans to play any shows anytime soon, he told me... We have some offers that we're considering, but it's, again, it's stuff tends to come in really late and it's a lot of extra considerations that keep you from just, you know, pulling the trigger right away like you would have in the past. Oh, this is a good offer. Uh, we're familiar with that venue. Let's just do it. Instead, it's like, well, let's see what their safety protocol is. Let's see what the how many people they can get in there. Let's see what what their model is like. You know, there's a lot more new considerations. It really is un, uh, unknown territory uh, playing in this, in this new circumstance. Coming up after the break, you'll hear more stories of live music during the pandemic. Man, we sure hope that you guys are dancing wherever you are. You know, for me, it was really great to get the perspective of a musician who had played the show that I'd seen. That's really cool. And I actually got a chance to catch up with Tomar Williams from Tomar and the FCs. My name is Tomar Williams, and uh, I am a musician in Austin, Texas, from the band Tomar and the FCs. We've been together for about five and a half years, and we perform various places in Austin and around Texas and the United States. Back in June, Tomar actually contracted the virus, Elizabeth. I actually came down with COVID. And um, on Father's Day, I was down here in the country, you know, and and I was asymptomatic. I didn't even know I was infected. And that is the weird thing about this, you know, this whole virus is that you don't know that you're infected. You can feel perfectly okay. And Tomar actually told us that he experienced the same symptoms as most people, a sore throat and a cough, 
but he was really worried about it affecting his lungs because he's asthmatic. But one of his biggest symptoms... Confusion. The confusion was like a big <laughs> a big situation done with me. I was like, damn, I can work my iPhone. I'm like, really? This even affected his ability to perform. We did a live stream at Bud's recording service in Austin, Texas. And um, I noticed that I was... <laughs> I'm not joking, man. I was forgetting lyrics to my own songs. And I mean, these songs I've been singing for the past three, four years, you know. And it was like, man, it's crazy. Like, just, just trying to remember the first... Or even the bridge. The good news is Tomar is now doing very well, and so is the band. We did actually a couple of shows during the uh, pandemic, and I think the very first one that we did was kind of uh, a shock. Was the the River Revival Festival in uh, New Braunfels and White Rapid, and it's amazing. I'm telling you, it's amazing. So we got a chance to do that September like the 28th. This is a three or four day event where people can camp out in their tents and RVs and hear live music. There's a main stage and little campsites set up where you have these acoustic jam sessions. And this was the first time that Tomar and the FCs had played for a live music audience since the shutdown. That was a shock because uh, we hadn't played in front of anyone of that, you know, caliber, you know, and but it was social distancing. It was all safe and everything. And once he performed and found his groove, he realized something. That was the first first time we got a chance to really hear the 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 crowd gratification of just like when you finish a song and the whole nine yards of just saying, man, hey, this is what it feels like, you know. You missed that. And compared to other bands, they've actually been pretty busy during this time. They've done a ton of live streams, and their most recent performance was at the legendary blues club and tones. And it went well. That was amazing. It was a sold out show. But, you know, you got to think about when they say sold out show, you know, it's like, what is sold out now? You know, (laughs) the club limited capacity to 20 percent and they took safety precautions, especially since it was an indoor event. They actually uh, set tables up and they spread the tables, you know, you know, pretty much uh, about six feet apart. So that was a good thing. If you got up and you walked around the club, you had to put your mask on. Once you sat down at your table, you can dance in your seat. Now, you couldn't dance on the dance floor or anything of that nature. But if you were like sort of in this corner or way away from all the other people, you could probably get up from your t- uh, your seat and kind of dance and swing out with your partner or whatever, you know, and, uh, and, and kind of let loose like that, but not engage where there are other people, you know, standing about. We had a chance to, you know, see people that were enjoying themselves and being safe at the same time. So that was a good thing. So how did they feel about playing at an indoor venue like Antone's during a global pandemic? We, uh, we weren't, you know, nervous at all. Not at all. And once they were out there, they didn't miss a beat. The intensity and the excitement and the... Uh, the energy and all that stuff, I make sure that I keep that pushing for three hours. And then I had a really great friend of mine named Cherie Smith. I've been knowing her for like, oh man, 25, 26 years. We've been singing together for like 25 years. She uh, she actually came in and sang back up and also did some lead songs. Kind of giving me a break a little bit there, but uh, the rest of the band was slamming. I mean, from the first note to the last note, they were killing it, you know? There was one thing that was on Tomar's mind. What I was trying to figure out is that uh, being that the people were sitting down, 
and we were just pushing this thing from the stage where we we're going to get the exact same response from the audience, you know, like the energy, because there is a reciprocal effect when you're performing, you know, in a place like that, unless you're like doing a, a stool acoustic sit down, you know, jam session. But when you're doing like an all out <laughs> top level jam, you know, and you have people sitting down watching you, you want to make sure that they actually cap capturing some of that energy from the stage. And uh, I thought that the energy level was going to probably drop down, but actually it stayed and the people were really engaged. So we were, were very, very pleased with the audience. Very pleased. So the show went as well as it possibly could during a pandemic. And I asked him how this limited capacity show worked out financially. Well, actually, I mean, compared to the show that we did on the 1st of February when we dropped the album, I mean, nah, it, it's, I mean, financially wise, it's, you know, nah, it's not going to match because you're looking at a, we were completely sold out and I think they turned people away from outside that particular show. And, and we're not even talking about the merch and everything, uh, but no, it's, it was no comparison at all. And, uh, but I can say this here, it was not bad. It was not bad. I mean, I'm, you know, I'd probably write home to mom about it and say, hey mom, you know. <laughs> but it wasn't bad at all, it was, it was cool. And we walked away satisfied, I can say that. They took care of me. Man, Miles, Tomar's show sounds like so much fun, but I gotta be honest, like, I don't think I could go see a show indoors. I mean, the way that my risk tolerance works, like, I, I am definitely not there. I, I mean, I completely get that. But for me personally, I could go to a show indoors. I wouldn't have a problem as long as all the safety precautions and safety measures were, you know, were taken. And of course, I would have my mask with me, like glued to my face. But, you know, I would love to see live music indoors. I mean, I want I want to I want to go back and have some type of normalcy if I can. I mean, Miles, I feel like it's such a thing during this pandemic, like people's different risk tolerances. And I mean, this next story, we have two people who played the same show, but they experienced it kind of differently because they have different risk tolerances. So first, let's meet Jeff. I'm Jeff Earl. Um, I've been in Austin for um, j just long enough to tell people I'm from here. I've been here 16 years. Jeff is a leader of the band Stiletto Fields. He has a day job, but he's been promoting shows in some form or another in Austin since he was in his 20s. It's something he does now as a hobby. And when he puts together a show... You know, obviously, as a hobbyist, I'm also a self-interested person. I like putting together bills where I like all the bands and then I get to play with them, you know. Jeff also promotes shows without his band. 
And Jeff had organized a show on March 14th at Barracuda that included his band and a lot of other Austin artists, including Walker Lukens. And this was right around the time that Austin was shutting down due to COVID. You can hear all about that in our first episode. And uh, we canceled it, obviously, Friday the 13th at around 12, around noon. And it was really quite a bummer. And during early fall, Jeff started revisiting the idea of putting on a show. Though at first, he needed to get clear on why he would throw a show. Why would we actually want to do something like this, uh, especially now? And just watching venues start to get boarded up was a real bummer. I started seeing kind of the dialogue uh, online of, of effectively this kind of really unfortunate dialogue of, are you, um, I don't know how to say it. If you want to organize an event where people will be in anywhere near the same space, uh, then you are committing an immoral act. Uh, Just being honest, that's kind of where we were in July. And at that time I felt that way uh, and then started watching just venues close. And it was like, okay, well, something has to be done at some point. There has to be a way for people to convene uh, in a safe way or, you know, all of the venues will close, basically. That's kind of still where I'm at. I I know some people feel differently about that, but um, I think that's where I'm at. It's like, there has to be a solution created that allows people to, you know, um, have gatherings that are safe. And outdoor is basically the only way to do it, and socially distanced. And so he reached out to Walker Lukens, who had an album of Willie Nelson covers coming out called Redheaded Strangers. We'll hear from Walker later. He got hooked up with Central Machine Works, a venue that has a big outdoor patio. Letitia Smith from Central Machine Works got two other bands involved, Kalu and the Electric Joint and Sydney Wright. Stiletto Fields was also on the bill. And Jeff, Walker, and the venue got together and agreed upon a bunch of conditions for the show. Basically, what we did is we went by the CDC's guidelines for outdoor gatherings. So obviously, um, you know, everyone has to maintain six feet at all times. It was really difficult. They had to bring in extra staff to sanitize all surfaces before people sat down and after they left. There was kind of like a walking path that went to the bathroom, which is like a very large area that was also constantly sanitized. Um, You had to arrive with your cohort, and if you weren't, you were seated by a host. Each party had a reserved table in an outdoor space that they brought each group to and you couldn't just walk in and out. You had to basically see the host, almost like a restaurant. Um, The entire thing was outdoor, except for when you had to go to the bathroom. They had outdoor portable bars as well. And oh yeah, you had to remain seated or standing at the table during the entire show. Like the Love and Light Stream event, the tickets to this show weren't cheap. The venue was at limited capacity. They sold tables rather than individual tickets. It was 150 for a table of four, 300 for a table of eight. That breaks down to $37.50 per person, in case you were wondering. And like the Love and Lightstream show, KUTX presented this show. And also, this show was a benefit. They paid the bands and the venue and then donated everything over break-even to the Health Alliance for Austin Musicians. And Jeff told us that that took away incentive to like make extra money, which could have led to bad decisions, safety-wise. Having people stay at their tables for the entire show created an entirely different vibe than a regular live show. Remember when we used to go see shows and get all sweaty and close to one another? Well, this show obviously did not feel that same way. The general kind of, 
I guess difference between that and a, and a show that's a little more packed in, or what we like, what we think of as shows, is that it took on almost a dinner theater aspect. And Jeff said he had a good time, and he got good feedback about the show. I loved doing it because it had been so long. And I think the vibe that night was ex- extremely positive. Everyone was like just so elated. Even though no one could like touch each other, or be near each other, the vibe was just like, oh my God, thank God we're doing this kind of deal. From from the bands, the, the, the people running sound, the staff of the bar and the, and the audience. And when we asked Jeff if he had plans to put any other shows on soon. I'm working on it. We'll see. I want to basically do this sort of thing again. But like I said, I'm looking for something that's absolutely non-traditional, that has a lower ticket price and a larger expansive space to do something socially distanced and outdoor. So for Jeff, the show was a success. It felt safe. People had a good time. But, you know, we all have different risk tolerances and different perceptions of what feels good and what feels safe. And so now it's time to meet another person who played the same show. Uh, my name is Walker Lukens, and I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, uh, podcaster now. And I have lived in Austin for um, eight years but kind of off and on for like 15. And Walker told us that before Jeff approached him. Before the show at Central Machine Works, I had not played any like public ticketed events. So this is my first one since since the Austin Music Awards. The Austin Music Awards took place on Wednesday, March 11th. But just because Walker hadn't played in public since March didn't mean he was like itching to play shows. Um, I had zero desire to play a show prior to playing the show. I felt very conflicted about doing it. And and that's not because everyone didn't, the venue and promoter, everyone really, I think, took as many precautions as they could. But to be honest with you, I just need the money. Plus, Walker was releasing a new record. Redheaded Strangers, and he wanted to promote that record. So he set a bunch of conditions for playing the show. He has to get paid up front, and he wanted a guarantee instead of a door deal because he didn't want to feel more pressure to promote the event and bring out more people in order to make more money because that would have felt unsafe. He asked that they have social distancing and follow CDC protocols. All his terms were agreed upon, so he took the gig. And Walker said he thought the venue staff did amazing. And that people really behave themselves. And yet... I think that venue, of everything I've heard, is doing the best job of making it safe. That's not to say that I think it was safe. I don't think that concerts feel safe, frankly, at the moment, you know? Because even a socially distanced concert, even one where the venue is doing all that it can and following CDC guidelines, well, it's still not risk-free. Because with music, people move. They start feeling free. And even with guidelines in place, there's still some amount of mixing and interaction that you can't control once the music starts. And that's not to say that Walker didn't have a great time playing music. Just playing music with other people was like, playing live music was like, felt 
near ecstasy. I felt like I was in the Grateful Dead, even when the songs were three minutes long. I was like, oh my God, you know, you're just like sharing in the, the, the thing with everyone. Like that was like the best. But at the same time he's up there playing music, he's having all of these thoughts. I would see people having a good time and then I would see people having too good of a time and that would make me feel bad. So like these people came up and were danced at the front of the show and I saw the venue come up and make them leave, you know, for good reason, for good reason, because they were way too close to us. You know, it just threw off the whole, like the whole thing we've been doing, which is like, you know, I, you know, I want you to come see the, the band and then they're here and you can be free and really let loose. That's why I was very stilted. So the vibe was a little weird, and Walker was worried about his band as well. I definitely, definitely didn't like the feeling that I was like creating the situation for my friends and bandmates to be in harm's way. I really hated. That was like the worst feeling. I think the least abstract, you know, in terms of the risk of like I'm bringing you guys here to do this, and that was yeah, yeah. It's a weird one. And Walker says. He may do shows in the future. A lot of offers have come in subsequently um, to do stuff, and I I think I'll do them probably more just solo. Yeah, in a way, everyone is experiencing this pandemic differently. Yeah. I mean, two different people playing the same gig, having two different reactions. And it's all just because of the way they're built and what their life experiences are. And I will say, I did speak to Jeff when I was fact-checking for this episode, and he told me that had the show, which took place on October 22nd, been scheduled for November 22nd, he would probably be canceling it right now because, you know, cases are rising and Miles, I think it'll be interesting to see if some personal choice is taken out of the equation anytime soon. I mean, right now, we can all choose to go to all kinds of different live music scenarios if we want to, but who knows how long that will last. And Elizabeth, what happens to the live music industry if there are more restrictions put in place or even if we go through another lockdown again? Miles, I guess we'll just have to see. Next time on Pause Play, we'll continue to look at the return of live music in Austin. And just so you know, we're both taking some time off around Thanksgiving. So the next episode will be out in three weeks rather than two. And again, if you are going to play live music or see live music, or maybe you really feel uncomfortable with the whole idea of live music at all, we want to hear from you. Send us a voicemail at pauseplay at kut.org or connect with us on our socials. We are at pausePlayPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you like this episode, please let your friends and family know about it. And please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on NPR One. Pause Play is a production of KUT and KUTX Studios. It is reported, produced, and hosted by me, Miles Bloxon. And me, Elizabeth McQueen. Our executive producer is Matt Riley. Matt Largy helps with story structure, editing, and audio production. Stephanie Federico is our digital editor. 
Additional reporting on this episode was done by our multimedia producer, Julia Reese. Special thanks to Todd Callahan, Jake Perlman, and Peter Babb for their technical support and guidance. Thanks to our graphics guru, Jackie Fuller. Check out the show notes for this episode, where you'll find a Spotify playlist where you can hear the songs featured in this episode all the way through. And original music for this episode was created by the very talented Jack Anderson. <laughs>